This is Inside Out, a podcast for event professionals where transparency is king. We're turning event professionals' businesses inside out, one interview at a time. As I always like to say, let's do this. In this episode, I'm talking to Natasha from Larson Floral Co. And what I love about Natasha's story is that she got a lot of little nudges in the beginning from the universe that she listened to that ultimately led her to owning a very successful floral company. And what's even cooler is just yesterday, I was on Instagram and I saw that Natasha or Larson Floral Co. posted that they are booked solid for the entire year of 2021. And it's only January. Obviously, she's doing a lot of things right. I can't wait for you to hear her story, but more importantly, I can't wait for you to get all the way to the end when she gives some really great business advice for wedding professionals. Hey, Natasha, thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah, of course. So Natasha owns Larson Floral Co. And you just go with Co, right? We're not we're not saying company. Is that right? Yeah, just yeah, just Co. Yeah, that's how my company is too. People are like Sutlin and Company. I'm like, no, no, <laughs> I don't want that. Um, so you own Larson Floral Co. You went through a rebrand recently, which I definitely want to talk about. But tell us a little bit about just your business and you and what you do. Okay. Uh, well, I do flowers and uh, I do lots of flowers. I love flowers. Um, I've been in this business for roughly 10 years. Um, I give myself between nine and 10 just because I did take some time off. Mm-hmm. And um, I love weddings um, and I like flowers. Um, a lot of people will say, well, weddings are stressful. And I don't think they're stressful. <laughs> I think they're pretty <laughs> awesome. So yeah. I, I love doing what I do. And I flower anything. I mean, I will flower a trash can if I can. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I, I really do enjoy what I do. And I enjoy being with my clients and making their day special and, and working with other vendors to make our clients day special. So, and I, yeah. I, I got started when I was, uh, I was, this, this is going to age me. I was 21 when I got started. Yeah. Uh, and I did not plan on doing this. I had planned on a desk job. I had planned sure. on being a, you know, uh, administrative assistant for actually an executive an administrative assistant for a big company. And I kind of derailed. Yeah. So going back before that, like, how did you get to the point where you're starting a floral business? Because, you know, florals are not, I mean, it's an art. It's, it's not something that you just kind of like one day, like, I think I'm going to start making bridal bouquets. Like it really is, you know, something that requires a lot of talent. Well, um, so going way back, um, when I was seven years old, I was actually adopted and brought here um, from Russia. So I'm actually Mm -hmm. not American born. I am Russian born and my parents adopted me when I was seven. So when I first got here, um, I had to learn. I had to learn everything. I didn't know, you know, I didn't know customs. I didn't know culture. I didn't know anything. So I never considered myself an artistic person, even when I was younger. Um, I was in sports. Um, my mm-hmm. my thing was sports and history. And as I got older and I was 16, I had to get my first job because I had found a dog on the side of the road. And that dog ended up costing my dad like over $400 because she had worms. And so <laughs> oh I, he made me go get a job. And so I had to get a job and I got my first job. And I had a job at Kroger. I was pushing carts at Kroger, and uh, that was back in 07. And I slowly worked my way up in Kroger. And one day, um, they didn't have anybody to fill the floral counter. And she was like, hey, do you want to go play with flowers? And I was like, "Uh, sure, I guess. Like, anything to get away from the front end is pretty much how I felt. Um, And it ended up. I ended up falling in love almost instantly. Um, and I still didn't consider myself a creative at that point because I was like, I'm just putting some flowers in the vase. And then they offered um, assistance in coaching and they brought in a girl from out of state to teach me. And 
the next thing you know, six months has passed and the girl that I had replaced, you know, came back and I was really sad and I had to go up mm-hmm. front again. And then two weeks passed and I got a phone call from a store manager from another store. And she said, I have a floral department. Do you want to come run it? And I said, sure. And I was like, what do you mean run it? And she goes, I want you to manage the floral department. And I said, sure. So I went. And the next thing I knew, two years flew by. And um, my husband and I started wanting to have kids. And he was like, you need to leave the floral department and go be an admin. And I did. I, I said goodbye to being a florist. However, on my last day of being a florist for that department, um, I had a client come up to me and she said, hey, I know you're leaving, but could you do my wedding? And I said, well, you know, I'm no longer part of this department. I said, you're welcome to ask the next person. She goes, no, 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 no. I want you to be my florist for my wedding. What do I need to do? And I said, okay. I said, well, we'll have to talk about it later. And I kind of left it at that. And I, you know, left the department. I went on and did other things. Somehow or another, this woman got my phone number, and that was the first client I ever had. She called me at home, and she said, I want you to do my wedding, and that's how that started. (laughs) That is how that started. Wow. I got tracked down by a customer, and she wanted me to do her flowers, and I did, and I never looked back. Um, It was the the most bizarre thing because I was taking my next steps to be an admin, and somehow or another, she tracked me down and said, no, you're not. <laughs> and I did continue to be an admin. Like, I actually did not become a entrepreneur for, like, another year um, mm-hmm. due to just, you know, our business, you have to, ha- or at least my business, you have to have some sort of money to get started with. It's mm-hmm. not one of those things that you just kind of become a force. You have to, you kind of have to have something and um so I ended up working two jobs to get my name kind of off the ground and mm-hmm. um and and so that's how it started by a customer who tracked me down yeah you know there, there are so many pieces of that I mean I wish you could see me because I'm like shaking my head in amazement right now so I always wonder, you know, when it comes to people starting their businesses, you know, I, I, we know for sure as business owners that a lot of hard work and grind goes into this, this doing what we do. But sometimes I wonder like how much luck plays into some people's story. And for you, it's like, I think it's the mixture of luck and being able to hear and see those opportunities and recognize them as something that could be something bigger. It's like, you could have easily shook this lady off. You could have easily not even, you know, taken that opportunity to move stores to a different floral department. And I mean, how wild that like these little pieces and nudges kept coming up for you again and again, even when you weren't really responding to them necessarily right away, right? Like you were kind of like, I'll just go this admin route. And this lady was like, no, no, I need you. And you're like, "Eh, I don't think so. (laughs) I don't think I'm going to do this. Yes. Yes. That is, uh, I had that conversation a lot with her. I was like, are you sure? Like, this is not like, and you know, it was back then, you know, 10 years ago, what we consider big weddings this year were, you know, nowadays um, Mm -hmm. were considered, you know, humongous back in 2010. And so what she wanted was considered a very large wedding in that time. Mm-hmm. And I had no experience. I had, you know, I had done a couple of pickup bouquets for Kroger, but nothing on my own. And to, to just have that trust of somebody that only, the only thing she'd ever seen me do was make arrangements for the cooler. Mm-hmm. And she just, mm-hmm. you know, and it was just every time I would tell her, no, she was just like, no, you're doing it, you know, and I tried to, <laughs> talk myself out of it a couple of times and it just didn't happen so all in all yeah. she was the reason why I got started that um, is going on awesome. my own route that is so cool yeah sometimes people can see things in us that we can't see you know so she obviously yeah. recognized um, your talent which is just crazy because I buy flowers from the grocery store all the time and to be honest I never even put a lot of thought into you know I just grab an arrangement and pay for it and walk out. Like I, I really, you know, Mm -hmm. for her to recognize like the talent that you were putting into it is pretty, pretty remarkable. Um, 
So, I mean, I obviously know firsthand your flowers are amazing, but for her to recognize that in a grocery store is, is really cool. So you, you brought up a really good point that I think a lot of business owners struggle with, especially in those first few years is it's like, do I keep working my full-time job? How much money do I need for this? And you brought up something that I never even thought of florists need money on the front end. You know, you have to be able Mm -hmm. to buy the flowers and show what you can do before money starts coming in quicker and more often. So talk to me about that. Tell us about that transition from the admin job through that first, let's say, would you say that's the first year of your business as you were like pushing out into doing two jobs? So I was, so I did two jobs for longer than the first year. Um, I actually worked two jobs probably, oh, until my little one came. Um, So from 2010 to 2013, I worked two jobs. Um, I did 40 hours as an admin, and then I would put in my extra time in doing weddings and all that. And really, it was like three and a half years. Um, It happened around December of 2013. My husband was like, I really want you to kind of stay home. And not only did he want me to stay home for our daughter, he really kind of, he also saw the potential of what I could do. Mm -hmm. Because from the time Mm -hmm. I started in 2010, I could easily... By tracking my numbers, I could already tell that I was doubling and I wasn't mm-hmm. really doing any advertising um, at that point. It was word of mouth. I mean, it was, it was strictly just word of mouth. By uh, December of 2013, he said, we're just going to go. He's like, I have some, he had some extra money set aside and he gave me, I think it was about $1,500. Um, okay. And he said, I want you to make a website. I want you to join the knot uh, or the wedding wire at that time. And he said, I want you to run with it. And I okay. said, okay. And so I did. And um, it, it, at that point is when I dedicated my time to full time. Uh, at that time I was known your time of beauty. I've actually have three, I've had three name changes, which is kind of oh. awful. But uh, I started with your time of beauty um, was uh-huh. the very first company I ever had. And I launched it, and in two, from 2013 to 2014, I almost quadrupled my business. Um, I insane. remember sitting down and looking at my numbers, and I was like, oh, I'm making my goal for 2014. And, you know, it was like a measly, you know, I think I had like a goal of 15 weddings and mm-hmm, like a mm-hmm. full sales, pro, you know, sales goal of like $36,000 or something like that. Yeah. Um, I blew that out of the water. Uh, I remember that was really the first time that I was like, I'm actually doing something like I'm actually contributing, you know, something. And just because I went full time doesn't mean I was bringing in the money that I was when I was an admin. I was Uh very blessed that my husband had a nice job to where he could still support our family without me having to put money back into our household. Um, That did not come until much later. So that's also always, plays into the part of can I support myself to do to get away from my 40 hour um and looking at it back then the only reason I was able to do it was if my husband could support us Um, yeah and I don't it might have taken me a little longer to be able to put in what I was putting in um to be able to step away and say hey you know I have the business to support a you know, $1,500 paycheck a month or something like that, even if it's little, um, Mm -hmm. if you're blessed like that to be able to step away and not have to automatically put that money back into the household, um, do it, you know, absolutely do it. But if you can't, then you kind of have to just put that money aside to where you can have that money. I would say, you know, our job, especially when we're looking at clients and we're, we're booking with clients, um, you know, you, you need to know your profit margins to be able to know how much money you're going to keep at the end of the day, because mm-hmm. we have a huge expense. Um, a lot of vendors in the wedding industry don't have as much of expense as we do. Not only do we have labor, we have hard goods. We've got, you know, perishables that all play into what we quote and what we sell our product for. And yeah. um, it's really important to also know that your profits are they going to go back into the business or is that what you're going to take home? And that's where that decision really kind of comes from is 
you know, is my profit just going to be my take-home paycheck or is my profit going to actually be profit that goes into the business to make it better? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Left field. (laughs) No, it's okay. You said a lot of really helpful, great things. I mean, you definitely had me thinking, you know, my, my husband works a full-time salary job and that's Mm -hmm. just never been for me. Um, I've definitely had salary jobs, but they were, you know, not going to be long-term ever, but I try to explain to him that when you own a business um, and you're working full time and you're, you're working your business on the side in the evenings and weekends, or if you own two businesses, I mean, either way, when you're double dipping like that um, into two going in two directions, I always explain it to him. It's like a pressure cooker. Like the pressure continues Mm -hmm. to build. Your time gets more scarce, your stress gets higher. And then there reaches a point where you have to decide like, and something's got to go, I've got to cut ties. And it's either got to be, I've got to do less with my business. I've got to get rid of the full-time job. Um, and you know, you have this whole added piece, like you said, or florists do with this, these overhead costs, because I always tell wedding planners or people that want to be wedding planners, you know, the best thing about this job, one of the best things about owning a wedding planning business is I just need my laptop and Wi-Fi. I don't mm-hmm. need anything else, you know, and a phone, but you know, everyone has that now. So it's really the, the threshold for entry is really low for a wedding planner and it makes it very easy to get into. Whereas florals, it's, there's so many pieces and you, you made me think of a really great question that I think a lot of people would wonder is how did you know how to price yourself? Because were, were you like looking at what other florists were doing? Cause your business was growing so quickly. You were obviously doing something right. Um, but how did you know how to work with those margins and stuff since you hadn't done this before? A lot of it, some of it I took from Kroger from what I was taught at Kroger, uh, because they do mm-hmm. markups just like, you know, just like anybody else. Um, mm-hmm. The other was just diving into education and really um, I spent hours on YouTube watching YouTube videos um, yes. on not only just small business uh, from other florists. I would, I tried to read, you know, as much as I could and I got a kind of like a census of what other florists were doing. And mm-hmm. to say that I automatically priced myself correctly would be just lying because I didn't. I I underpriced myself to get started just so I could get my name out there. And Mm -hmm. then as time went on, I tried to move myself closer to the actual margin of what it should be to be a wedding florist. Because being a florist and a wedding florist are two different things. The markup is different. Um, Okay. Just um, for like a regular florist, for instance, because I worked at a flower shop too, and I'll I'll get into that a little later. Um, Yeah. For, for a regular flower shop, it's usually about three times the amount of cost. And the reason you do that is because one half is to cover your cost, the other is for profit, and then obviously your labor and all that stuff. Uh, for mm-hmm. a wedding professional and a wedding florist and event florist, the markup could be anywhere from three and a half to five times the cost of the flowers. Okay. And that's huge. I mean, you're, mm-hmm. you're talking about a huge margin right there. So And again, that took me time to learn that. Um, That is, I mean, I, at one, I think I started doing like 1.5 times the amount of flowers and then I slowly (laughs) built up to what I could so that I could build my clientele, my portfolio, my name, and then get to where I needed to be. Um, Average for the state of Tennessee, I have seen is about three and a half to 4% is, Mm -hmm. or four times is, is what I see average from, from our industry in the South, I guess is a better way to put that. Um, sure. But it it really does. It, it took a lot of time for me to learn that and to implement that. It was not overnight um, because I just, it, to me, I had to justify it. And I felt like I wasn't justified to charge that at first. Mm-hmm. Um, however, as I got older and the experience in my belt, I bought, cla- you know, I bought classes for Christmas, I remember two Christmases straight, I would ask my parents and my family to pay for classes that I would take online. Like, that's what yeah. I wanted as gifts. Like, yeah. I didn't want anything else. I just wanted as much education as I could to be able to justify those margins yeah, <laughs> and justify, absolutely. you know, all of that. It, it, I just, I had to have a reason. 
and and so yeah it finding that margin and the education and I never I never went as low as to pretend I was a bride to contact a florist to get their pricing I just (laughs) I, I didn't do that because I didn't I couldn't I think my moral compass was just like, no, you're not doing that. Like, that's not going to happen. So a lot of mine just came from YouTube videos, Google searches, all the stuff that I could possibly get my hands on. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and, but it started with Kroger, just using those numbers and then filling in the gaps as I got along, as I I went down the, the lane. Yes. I love that you asked for courses and stuff for Christmas because I do the exact same thing. And what's so funny is that in my house, I'm actually the breadwinner. And it's so funny because my sweet husband, you know, his, he's a teacher, so he doesn't make oh, a ton of money awesome. and he's a coach. Like he coaches football and wrestling and he's just oh. really, you know, he has this huge heart for teaching. And he always, we always joke that, you know, obviously I didn't marry him for his money, but so <laughs> I'm the breadwinner. And when it comes to Christmas, that's really hard, you know, cause he's like, well, I don't, you know, mm-hmm. everything you usually want, you just go and get, you don't really like hold out for Christmas, but I ask for courses too. Like every year he buys me for Christmas. Like this year it was a membership to this like group of entrepreneurs and he's paying the monthly dues for that. And it's so funny. Aww. Cause he's like, you, you have nothing to, to unwrap. I'm like, but this is gold. Like this is really what I want is these like memberships or courses or, you know, things that, that are contributing in a really good way. And it's like, yeah, I don't get jewelry and stuff, but who cares? Like I, this is the stuff I need. Yeah. And I love that. And you brought up something else I thought was really important that every single vendor I talk to echoes, um, but it's almost like an unspoken thing because nobody wants to admit that they weigh under a charge. Um, especially when you're talking to other people in your field, you're like, no, I don't, you know, they say their prices and you're like, oh yeah, me too. <laughs> like I yeah. me too. I'm charging yeah. that too. And you're like, oh my gosh, I need to go home and like fix this. <laughs> but we see so many entrepreneurs, you know, in the wedding planning industry, it'll be, I can't believe so-and-so's doing day of coordination, like our smallest package, right. Mm-hmm. For $500. Like she's just undercutting all of us. But to me, it's like, and you echoed something everybody else has said that I've talked to as well. It's like, you just have to go with what you feel good about morally mm-hmm. in your gut. And also just, you know, like what matches your experience. And it's so easy when you've been a florist or a planner or whatever for 10, 12 years to look at some of these people and think like, gosh, why are you starting so low? Like you're undercutting yourself, you're undercutting us. But the reality is they don't have 10 years or 12 years. They don't bring to the table what you bring to be able to charge those margins. And, you know, clients don't see that. And that's frustrating sometimes because it's like, Mm -hmm. yes, you could go get a florist for a lot cheaper, but what you're paying for is the years of experience and classes that I've poured into that really are a game changer on a wedding day when something goes wrong, when flowers show up and they're not what you thought they were. Um, And I think that's really important to note for sure. So what is one thing, if you could go back in time and in your 10, nine to 10 years in this business, even if you took a break, we're going to say 10 years because you still owned it. You were still in it. You were just taking a pause. So what would you change? If you could do anything differently, what would you do differently? Um, so there's, there's really two things come to mind. Um, Mm -hmm. and I can, I, I talk high and mighty of it now, but it's because I've learned from experience. Uh, the very first thing I would change is, um, my knowledge on financials. Mm -hmm. Um, I am, so I've read this book, um, and it, it, it says you are you are three people in one when you become an entrepreneur. You're the entrepreneur, I can't talk, entrepreneur, <laughs> okay. the manager, and the technician. And so those three people make up one person. And I am a technician by heart because I like to make things. Like I like to, I can make anything out of flowers. And, and I'm not really a manager or an entrepreneur. I just kind of decided to do this because I was good at something. Mm-hmm. Um so the first thing I would what I would change is I would make myself study more on my uh, my weakness, which which was with the financials, um, on how to run a business, and that is very important. Um, it's so it's it's large area to know, know 
but it would have made the biggest difference earlier in my uh, business if I would have been good at that. My second would be is earlier in my career, I thought it would be great to have a rental space. And so without having knowledge in my financials and being real smart about it, and I, I'm, I'm, I will admit it very, very easily. Um, I dived in into a rental and I had a studio space mm-hmm. and looking at it now, it taught me a lot of valuable, valuable lessons, but it also drove me to take a break because I had, it was just, it was a disaster. And um, it was, it was something that I wish I could take back. Um, mm-hmm. However, I don't regret it really because it it has really opened my eyes into things that I know now so those are the two things that I would say that I wish I could change Um, my knowledge level and then just that that one one idea I had just kind of blew up you know what's funny is I remember you having a space I remember coming to your to your uh, like little showroom space I mean gosh that was yep I don't even know. I mean, you would know better than me. I feel like that was like 2015, 14, yes, 15, it was. something yeah, like that. It was 14, yeah. I believe it's 14. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. It's really crazy. You know, I, that's such, you know, I know it's something you're using as like something you would change, but also really great advice for business owners, because I think we can easily, it always shocks me when I see, especially in the wedding industry, people who have these very expensive storefronts, and it's like, mm-hmm. I'm not sure overhead wise, that makes sense from a business perspective. And so I always wonder, like, is the return on that really great? And I'm just missing something because I, I've never had a storefront. I mean, I prefer to go to my clients out of, you know, convenience for them. Um, mm-hmm. The type of client I attract has a very demanding work schedule. I mean, most wedding planners attract the type of client who doesn't have time to plan a wedding. That's why they need us. But yeah you know, I prefer to go to them. And I always wonder if the return is as good as it looks on the outside when somebody has this beautiful office space or, um, you know, a retail space. So that's really interesting that you say that. So now you're not working out of a a brick and mortar necessarily. I'm sure you have a workspace, obviously, but. Yes, I do. Um, So in each house that we have had before I had my brick and mortar, um, I converted the garage. So my first one was really crappy. My second Mm -hmm. one was better. (laughs) Um, it still wasn't what I needed it to be. However, we just moved in July and, and we bought a brand new house and it was in, in stages of being built. And, um, it was, it was perfect. I walked into this house and I knew it was, I knew exactly what I wanted. Like I, it was just Mm -hmm. what I had envisioned. So, in our house, uh, we took the garage, um, and it has been completely converted into a workable studio. So my husband built um, shelving um, that actually stand in front of where the garage door was. So the garage door has been sealed, and it's been uh, con- like that foamy stuff has been put in. I don't know what in the world it's called. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he did that, built me shelving, built me a work table that wraps around the wall, and then another shelving unit. And then my friends donated this. I don't know if you remember Gap, but um, here in Murfreesboro, we had a Gap and it closed. And they mm-hmm. had a display table um, that rolled. And this thing is probably uh, eight feet and it's about four and a half feet tall and it's got like shelves underneath it. They mm-hmm. gave that to me for free. Wow. Like they just gave it to me. And it is the most perfect in the middle of the floor work table. Like you can have up to six or eight people working on it. And it's like my dream table, like it's perfect. And um, so my, and I have a, I have a fridge in there and my husband's going to build me a cooler um, next month. Also like a a smaller cooler to put bouquets in. Uh, However, I do have two air conditioning units already in it and it's really cold. (laughs) It's very cold already in there. So I really don't need a cooler because it is air conditioning. It is sealed off. Um, but I do have, I, I'm going to have a small one built anyways. Um, yeah. So that's my workspace. Like I have a workspace at home. It's awesome. I do pay a part of my rent because it is, it is work related. So like mm-hmm. our mortgage, I do pay a percentage of our mortgage because I'm working from home. I also yes. have a um, a meeting office. So like my clients can come to my house and then we can either meet in the studio and they can see the flowers. They can see my rentals. They can see my, everything I have and, mm-hmm. or they can come inside my home and I have an office right off, right. When you walk into the door, 
there's this large seating area and I have my office right there and um, they can come in, we can sit down and, and talk about it too. So I have two, I'm lucky and blessed to have a home finally that I can welcome guests in and I can welcome my clients in and they can actually see my space. And that has yeah. made a huge difference is um, I don't have to, nothing wrong with meeting coffee shops, but let me tell you, I should buy stock <laughs> in Panera and I should buy stock in Starbucks of how many times I've gone there. And yes. I still do to this day go there. Um, uh-huh. But I, I do have a space that I can meet my clients. I can show them firsthand what, what to expect and what the flowers look like. And they love that. Um, yeah, of course. So yeah, I do have a space. That's really great because that is one thing, you know, with florals that it's, it's tricky, you know, when, as a planner, when I bring a a bride to, or a groom or whoever, mom to Panera and like, we're just using Pinterest, but just trust us on this. So it is good for them sometimes to see this working space and, you know, and, and for florists, that's kind of tricky because you guys do need like a workshop like space, but also, Mm -hmm. so that that's a fine line, but it sounds like you have a really great setup. That's awesome. Um, so you started, you, you were telling us earlier about how you, you know, kind of got some momentum, were able to leave your full-time job, quadruple the number that you expected. So where, where are you now in your business? What's your capacity every year, target number of weddings? So the most I did in a year before I took my break was 76. Um, Now this year, (laughs) this year in 2020 with COVID, with Uh COVID, we completed 200, no, we completed 113 weddings. That That was with COVID. Wild. That is wild. Are you at every single, yeah. Are you at every single one? Uh, no, I, I okay. try to be, but no, mm-hmm. um, I, I have probably only missed, I would say 12 and less, 12 and yeah. less is probably what I have not actually physically stepped into. Uh, the gotcha. other ones, I do the absolute best, even if it's for a second to see my bride. Um, mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. it is literally me just holding the bouquet to her and saying, hey, here you go, you know, and then I'm out the door and I'll go on to the next wedding. Um, mm-hmm. But I have, I have missed about 12 and my team, I have a wonderful team um, and I have a right hand lady who, who kind of helps me run the ship and, and she does a lot of the weddings and, and, you know, and it's, I've been blessed to have that, but I'm not at every single one. Um, yeah. I did, you know, gain momentum and I overworked myself and I took a break and then I got the itch again. And I, before I had even decided that I was going to, undo my break I had already mm-hmm. had three weddings booked I hadn't even reactivated anything like my website or the knot or anything and I had three weddings booked so I knew I was it was time and um yeah so I I uh you know things happen and we get overworked and we get um we get just stressed out and that's what happened that year that I had 76 weddings I had just mm-hmm. I had, I had done too much and I didn't take a break for myself. And, and then I had to take a break and I took a break and, and then I came back stronger. And that's where 2020 has led us is, is 113 events. Um, And it was, it's been amazing. It's been absolutely amazing. And next year, we're not even into 2021 and we have 63 events booked for next year already. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it, it's really what you're saying is that whole pressure cooker situation again, you know, but mm-hmm. in a little bit different in this sense. And now you've, you know, broken free from a full time job, but you just go right back into that cycle. And I think as entrepreneurs, we have to push ourselves to the absolute brink sometimes to know what the limit is. Um, because yeah. it's, uh, it's almost like you, you get it's not even like addicted to the money coming in, but more of like, <laughs> the, it's like a high of success. Like you just feel so good about what you're doing for people. And so excited that people love what you're doing, that you're like flowers for everybody or weddings for everybody, (laughs) you know, because you're just like, I am doing really good and people love me and I love them. And this is so great. And I'm just going to keep saying yes. And then you get to a point where you're like, and now I've run myself completely into the ground. Um, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I can completely sympathize with that for sure. Um, and it's funny cause I, I don't know if you can 
if this has happened to you, but people on the outside, my family and stuff, they're like, you, you need to slow down. You, you know, like they could mm-hmm. see it, they could see it coming down the line. And I was just like, you guys don't know what I'm capable of. <laughs> like I <Yeah>. am <laughs> so good at this. Like I've got this. And then it was just like, it all comes crashing down and you're like, you, you know, you either have to step away for a while and deactivate everything, mm-hmm. or you have to get really good at telling people no. Um, and that's yeah. hard because when you've built this momentum and success and you're and people want to work with you, it's like the lady at Kroger. It's like, you have to learn, you know, how to, how to turn people away. And that's really hard yeah. for entrepreneurs because you, you instantly feel it in your bottom line and, and that's tough. Um, yeah. So you mentioned you have a team where, where, where do you see Larson Floral Co. in five years? I would like to have, um, so when I say team, so yes, I have a team and I would like to officially put at least two of my team members on full-time status um, mm-hmm. to where we are able to ha- handle multiple large-scale events um, in a weekend. Um, there, There is multiple things that play into that, such as an actual bigger space, which we know is coming. Um, Mm -hmm. but I would like to, in five years, be able to have lead designers to where it's not really just me that Mm -hmm. is doing all the meetings, all the consults, all the designing, all the, you know, things like that. It's where I have, you know, a left and a hand right person that I really trust that can handle that, um, to Mm -hmm. where eventually as time goes on, um, to step back from aspects of my business to where, I'm, 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 it's very hard for me to give up reins, even, even now, even though I have a really good right-hand person, those reins are still pretty tight and they, they will remain tight. I guess <laughs> that sounds terrible, yep. <laughs> um, but I just, um, you know, it, it's, I would love my vision and my goal is, is to have that. Um, I don't, I have thrown away around the possibility of actually opening a flower shop, uh, but mm-hmm. right now weddings and events are my heart. It's, it's a strong point. I would just like to grow that in the aspect of not necessarily more weddings, but more challenging weddings that were, it sounds really vague. I don't like this. Um, I don't want to say I want bigger spending weddings, but almost, but yeah. I want that challenge of, of having those higher end weddings to where they really do take more time to plan. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have less of them, but it takes more of a team effort. So I know that it probably makes no sense. It's in my no, brain. I, just, I, I do want, you know, I see us growing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I see I us mean, growing. It's... We're going to get there. Absolutely. Yeah. I, it completely makes sense what you're saying. I mean, it's, it's really about scaling the, the type of event you have and not even just guest count, but complexity and not sometimes budget, but just really, you know, it's, it's the same idea of when a planner goes from, you know, DIY budget brides to, you know, mm-hmm. these mid budget range to scaling to only a few weddings a year, but doing luxury weddings. It's that same yes. progression. And th- for some people, you know, that's their business model. Other people s- hang out in the, you know, the DIY realm forever. So it's just, everybody's different. So what you're saying completely makes sense for sure. And, and it's definitely having people on staff is knowing that you're able to pay somebody to sustain their own life is so rewarding, Mm -hmm. you know, to know that like they're putting food on their table and paying their mortgage because of something that you've created, um, is, is huge. I mean, I think for any business owner. So I love that, that that's your trajectory because that really trickles down to other lives and other families. Mm -hmm. Um, so when working with you, um, or, um, when vendors are working with florists on wedding days, what do you want other vendors to know about what you're doing to in part help make your job easier to better work with florists as a team? What's, what's some things that we can know as planners, photographers, things like that about what you do that could help make wedding days better? I guess one thing is, um, for us, when we come in, things being set like tables and tablecloths make the biggest mm-hmm. difference. Um, mm-hmm. If we come in and a room is fully set, we can come in, get our stuff done, and get out of everybody's hair. Um, mm-hmm. I always, um, 
me being the type of person I am, I love to talk to my vendors, uh, whether it be that I've never worked with them or that I work with them all the time. I always mm-hmm. want to catch up. Um, a, mm-hmm. a very simple hello goes a long way. Um, there are some vendors that we don't get to see. Um, mm-hmm. So it's it's really nice if we do walk in, we get to see them, we just say hello. Um, the main thing I would say, as long as it's set up, we can get our job done and get it out of everybody's hair. Um, the other one mm-hmm. would be communication, especially with planners. Um, mm-hmm. I have had some planners that are so good about emailing and introducing and timelines. And then I have some planners that I'm like, I don't really know what time I'm coming, you know, or yeah. like if I'm going to interrupt their schedule. Um, yeah. So I, in any time I reply back and I'm like, hey, what's your schedule? Like if they send me and they're like, hey, what time do you want to come? And I reply back with, well, what's your schedule? I'm really just trying to be as easy for the planner that I possibly can. So if they come back and they say, you know, hey, this is what our timeline looks like, where does it put you? That helps me because I can say, okay, well, I need at least three hours to set up. um, Mm -hmm. So I want to come in here. And so the communication is huge for me um, and communication with, with the planners or whoever's day of point of contact, whether it be the venue I just need to know a timeline and I can tell you what time we would fit best into. Um, sure. That, that especially for photographers, um, I like to be there because sometimes they need staging flowers and I'm happy to provide them staging flowers for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes though we arrive after they've already kind of staged and I don't, you know, I just, communication is huge. Having okay. everything set up for us when we walk in is humongous. Um, if there's something that is going on that we need to know about, um, that's also like a rehearsal morning of, and, you know, mm-hmm. you may not, you know, if they have a rehearsal the morning of, and we can't get to the ceremony site, at least have the inside set up to where we can finish that and then go outside type of deal. So just uh, number one communication and then having yeah. everything set up for us, yeah. um, you know, loading docks or, you know, parking or anything like that. That's minor things. We can, I can swing pretty much all that, um, yes. but I at least got to have communication with somebody. Yeah. So what I'm hearing you say is from a planner perspective, um, you know, it would be hugely helpful because you're on that front end of the day and you don't see a lot of the other yeah. vendors um, is saying, you know, telling you things like, hey, we'll have the table set up and linens on them by 11. At that point, yeah. you're good to go to set up whatever you need, because then you can plan, especially when you're doing multiple weddings in a day, like you don't need to have your team there at 930 staring at us. Because I've certainly had floors <laughs> show up really early and they're like, can I help you put linens on the table? And I'm like, oh my gosh, no, like I, I've got it. Like you, you don't have to do that. But hearing what you're saying, they're like, no, really, let me put the linens on because I can't do my job without them. Um, yeah. So, you know, saying things like, hey, the linens will be on the tables no later than 11. We have rehearsal at two. So there's a window right there. You tell me and then you can re- respond and say, I need three hours. I need four. Because from every... Flowers for weddings are different for every wedding, right? There's always different mm-hmm. arches and arbors and installations. And so it's like, from a planner perspective, I have no idea how much time you need. Because some floors show up with a team of 10 people and some show up just yeah. them and one person. So that makes a big difference too. And we never know how big the team is. So when I'm building a timeline, I'm kind of like, usually have these windows where I assume it's going to take you three to four hours. And I put it on the timeline, it's giving you three to four hours And I just, you know, I think sometimes people take the planner timeline as like, that's the time I have to arrive. And sometimes I'm putting on Mm -hmm. there like, this is what I'm guessing you need, but you tell me if you want me to move this. Um, So I think I I hear what you're saying. And I definitely think, you know, planners can do a really a better job if they're not already of saying things like, hey, you tell me what window of time you need. And I can have the linens on the table by that, you know, 11. So you can be out of here by three. And we can be off and running yeah. with guests arriving. So that's yeah. hugely We try helpful. to be out before two. Yeah, we try to be out two hours before guests arrive. So that's another okay. thing is that when I'm looking at timelines and stuff, I want to be packed up and out of there two hours before guests even arrive. Because most guests are going to arrive an hour early to 45 minutes early. Sure. Um, I've, been, I've done enough weddings to know that there's, some people are yeah. real early. Um, mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. so I just try to be out of everybody's hair by then. Um, because things, you know, try to wind down at that point. So 
two hours is always my goal to be out. And I usually work backwards from there. Um, And weddings happen. A lot of weddings happen at the same time. So that's why it's good to have a good team. Um, Mm -hmm. But if something requires a lot of setup, then we only take one event. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, we try to be helpful. I just try to, even if I'm there and I'm not, if I walk up to somebody and I'm like, Hey, can I help you throw on tablecloths? It's, it really could be just, Hey, let me help you because I can see that you're struggling. Um, <laughs> sure. I always want to be helpful. Um, whenever I'm at a venue, I will, you know, if I need to sweep something, I'm going to sweep something, even though it's not part of my job. Um, yeah. I just try to be as, as friendly and as helpful to all my vendors, because in reality, it comes down to it. That's how I book more clients is if my vendors appreciate me and appreciate the, what we, how we work together. Absolutely. Um, and so Absolutely. I, I try to go out of my way to assist the planners and even DJs or whoever I need to, to get their day going just as smoothly as mine is going. Yeah. You know, I always tell people, especially planners when they're first starting out and they're asking me like for advice and stuff, I tell them one of the best things I did was adopt a vendor first approach when I started my business, because if I put all the vendors first, and, and it sounds terrible, but vendors first and clients second. If I put all of the vendor needs at the top of my list of priorities, the trickle down, it's like dispatching the minions to represent everybody in a good way, right? Because if I treat the florist really well, if I treat the catering staff really well, then they in turn treat everybody else really well. And it becomes this like domino effect and it creates a better experience for the clients. I think sometimes... Mm-hmm it's easy to feel like, well, I work for the client and I'm going to do whatever I can to make sure they're happy. And sometimes you, you ruin the relationships with vendors because you're being demanding or you're, you're tunnel visioned on your job because it's your job to make sure this looks perfect instead of kind of picking your head up and seeing like, well, if I, if I'm helping everybody and creating a better experience for all of these vendors, that reflects well for everybody, right? Because it just takes one frustrated florist pinning boutonnieres and uh, you know the groomsmen can sense that frustration when you're pinning them right or and they're like gosh she's kind of crazy or you know one angry (laughs) one frustrated server who has a bad attitude because the planner was rude to them or the cake lady dropped the cake off and she had a bad attitude because the table wasn't ready and it's like the trickle down of that it sends shockwaves to the client I think and so Mm -hmm. I feel like exactly what you're saying like if you put the vendor's happiness and making their jobs easier and, and better and making them look better in front of the client as your top priority, it just becomes, it, the clients are happy just by default. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. That's really awesome. I'm glad that you feel that way too. Um, so what is one piece of advice you would give other entrepreneurs who are starting a floral company or just a business in general? I know you kind of touched on this when we went back and you said one thing you would change about finance, but mm-hmm. is that your like top advice? Um, or is there one thing if you could give them kind of one piece, what would it be? Yeah, it would it would be knowing the business inside and out. And, and it's not knowing like the artwork of florals, because that changes yearly. It is knowing how to run a business. If you don't know how to run a business from the, from financials to management, to terminating to, I mean, the most minute things in in how to run a business, you can't succeed in growing your business. Um, And a lot of times it's backpedaling and and we have to do that. Uh, But I Mm -hmm. think number one is you've got to learn what a business is and how to run one before you can frame it into your niche. Um, Mm -hmm. Whether it be planning, catering, rentals, or florals, you've got to learn a business. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that because it is, as creative people, which most wedding vendors are, you know, photographers, florists, planners doing design, that's not really something that we enjoy usually is like the logistical (laughs) pieces. And so it's really easy to get caught up in doing some of the prettier things and not really where, I mean, I'm just as guilty. I hear you 100%. And I went down that trail as well. It's like, I don't really want to deal with the financial side of it because that's not fun for me. Like creating those spreadsheets and Mm -hmm. QuickBooks doesn't feel to me that I'm moving the needle in my business, answering client emails, doing phone calls and meetings, that's moving the needle, but it's actually not, it's both. (laughs) Like you've got to be doing both. So absolutely. 
That's great advice. So if people want to find Larson Floral Co., where can they find you? Uh, on Instagram, uh, Larson Floral Co., on our website at www.larsonfloralco.com. Um, and then we do have a TikTok, but I quite haven't nailed down how to work TikTok yet. <laughs> but those are definitely yes. uh, those are definitely the quickest ways. And then by email at Natasha at LarsonFloralCo.com. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Natasha, thank you so much for chatting with me. I appreciate it. And I know everybody that listens will appreciate all of your really great advice as well. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was great to catch up. Of course. Ugh, what an amazing story Natasha has. Can you even imagine if she hadn't listened to that one lady who came into the grocery store that she was working in the floral department in, and she hadn't listened to her and kind of followed her intuition and the pushes um, that she was receiving from the universe? How crazy is that? It makes me wonder how many of those we get and maybe miss or how many of those we've gotten and jumped on and has led us to where we are now in our businesses or even ones that are coming up for us. What is really cool about Natasha is that she's really transparent. And what's even cooler, like I said in the very beginning, is shortly after we recorded this episode, she completely booked out for the entire year. That's incredible. I'm so excited for Natasha and where her business is going. It's important to note, though, florists like Natasha that are really talented are booking up all the time. We know this, right? So if you aren't already on planwell.com. Plan has two ends in it, planwell.com. You have to be on there. Vendors like Natasha are on there sharing their availability calendar. And what's really cool is you would normally probably recommend Natasha and Larson Floral Co. to your business, but you need to be able to see her availability calendar. Obviously, her dates are extremely limited, if not non-existent. So, being on plan well means you can see her calendar, see what dates she has available, and then refer her to your clients on dates that she can actually say yes to. It's a no-brainer. As always, thanks for tuning in. See you next week. 